magic of the sunstone, you're tuned into the Jewel Riders Archive. Hey Jewel fans, I'm Chris. And I'm Ronnie from the Jewel Riders Archive. We're here today, September 10th, 2020, to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Jewel Riders. 25 magical years. It's so exciting. It's crazy, and I have so many (laughs) more gray hairs. (laughs) (laughs) And we're joined by some fun friends from the archive. Yeah, we have the Circle of Friends back with us today. Um, I want to introduce them all to you. We, We have Stormy, the founder of the Avalon website. Hello, everybody. Welcome back, Stormy. We also have returning champion Lisa Dawn of the Princess Blog. Hello. And Natalie, formerly known as Morning Glory. Morning Glory. Yep, on Stormy's Avalon website, a a prolific fan artist and writer. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Welcome back. And today we also have, for the first time with us, Elizabeth who is another fan fiction author who I have worked with through a number of different fandoms, but most importantly, Jewel Writers. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. It's so exciting to have everyone together. I think, you know, we talk about the circle of friends and and it truly is a circle of friends. And with a show that's so centered on friendship and about magic and the strong magic that is held within a friendship, it's awesome that we have this wonderful circle of everyone that we can turn to. No, we we sadly were supposed to also have Jacksworth today, but unfortunately from the Avalon Archive, but unfortunately she had some some family stuff come up. So we you're here with us in spirit. We wish you were here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll still talk about Avalon Web of Magic though. Yes. So I guess let's dig right into it. I mean, right now we are celebrating 25 magical years of Princess Guinevere and the Jewel Riders. It's insane to think about the fact that this show that we loved as children has come of age and is now 25 years. That's just crazy, isn't it? <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> and Did who you knew ever that we would imagine oh, here? Go ahead, Ron. No, I was going to say, I mean, and, and who knew that we would actually be here 25 years later still discussing this or having a website that was dedicated to it or, you know, all these amazing things that have happened in the past five years, because this is also the fifth anniversary of the Joyers Archive as well. That's Yay. right. Oh, my gosh. I actually forgot Happy about anniversary. that. Congratulations yes. on hitting five Yay. years. Thank yeah. you so much. Yes. So it's 25 years of Jewel Writers and five years of the archive. So congratulations to both of these for their achievements. One slightly more achievement than the other. <laughs> well. <laughs> You're right. The five year is a little bit more impressive than the 25. <laughs> So since we're talking about 25, I think that we're going to have a little bit of a running theme here. Maybe not necessarily 25 things, but maybe like a few things here and there. But we do want to do a quick rundown of our favorite moments, our favorite maybe episodes, our takeaways that we've had from the five years of the archive. So it'll be a long discussion, but that's basically the structure of what we're going to be talking about. And of course, we're going to interject our own feelings along the way as well. Yeah, so the first thing I think we wanted to ask everyone, so being the 25th anniversary, 
I wanted to know your top two episodes and why, and then you're not so favorite to make 0.5, so 2.5 episodes for 25 years. <laughs> and let's start, let's start with Stormy. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the spotlight, Stormy. I'm in the spotlight. Okay, so my... You know, I should have, uh, you know, studied for this test. If I had known... <laughs> That's it's what I said. I didn't realize they were going to give us homework. <laughs> <laughs> but let me see. Top two episodes. I liked Rainbow Falls. The Rainbow Falls Song of the Rainbow. That's what it was. That was the first episode I saw. So that was my introduction to Jewel Riders. And the music and the funny county fair and the waterfall. It was just a neat episode. And it showed me all the magic of the series. So that I knew, yeah, I got to watch the rest of this. And the other one, you know. I'm, let's see, I'm torn between Fallon's family episode and Tamara's family episode. Badlands and then um, Home Sweet Heartstone. Heartstone, that's right, yes. <laughs> I, you know, I don't remember many details, and I haven't watched the shows very recently, but I remember Fallon's family episode really having the most emotion. Badlands but on the other hand, was a great episode. episode yeah. The other episode has the prism fox, and the prism fox is cool. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't love that little critter? Mm. She sings in music, for sure. <laughs> I remember seeing a fan made a plush of her a few years back, and I was like, give to me. <laughs> Goodness, that would be awesome. <laughs> Speaking of plush, that, that's going to be another conversation for another time, but there is an opportunity, perhaps, for some custom-made plush. I think that that's going to be something that we're going to have to announce at a later point. <gasps> I know. Shadow song, please. Exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, there'll be polls, and probably by this time there will already have been polls on our social media. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and Stormy, what about your least favorite episode, the point five? <laughs> point five, um... Gotta be the fashion show episode. Oh no! (laughs) (laughs) Why, Stormy? Why? There's just wasn't a lot there. There's not a lot. (laughs) Okay, let's turn. I feel like I should be taking a tally. Like, I want to be writing down which ones people liked and which ones they didn't like. I'm I'm interested. I want to know at the end and see if anyone gets a tally mark. Right. I will start that right now. (laughs) No, I was going to write it. It's okay. I got it. You got it. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Lisa, let's move to you. What are your top two favorites and your least favorite? Okay. Um, my two favorites actually have two dramatically different reasons. So the first one, Song of the Rainbow, which is also Stormy, one of Stormy's, um, is for nostalgia reasons. And that's because it was so hard for me to obtain. And I had been wanting to see it for such a long time when I got into the show because it's previewed on all the VHS tapes. And there's a little flyer of a videotape called Song of the Rainbow that comes with the dolls. 
And I knew it was about Tamra, who was my favorite character. And I had been wanting to see it for so long that eventually I emailed Stormy about it. And she sent me a VHS of it. And when I finally got to see it, that was one of the happiest days of my childhood. Oh. <laughs> I could finally see this episode that I had been longing for for so long and wishing on stars to see about my favorite character in the show. And my other favorite episode is from more of a mature writer's perspective, and that would be Full Circle, which was the season one finale. And I loved that episode um, because they did such a great job of bringing the story together. And I took a UCLA screenwriting class a couple of years ago, and they taught us that at the end of a movie or a really good story, you have to have a big gloom where the main characters lose everything. And then that makes it way more satisfying when they all get it back. And in full circle, all the main characters lost the power of their jewels. And that was the worst possible thing that could have happened to them, which is why the music video that they played in that episode for um, I've Got a Friend. Friend in You, yeah. Yeah, Friend in You. That was such a beautiful scene. And it was so emotional to me as a child and even today. And I just feel like that's, the emotional peak of the series. Um, I, I love that. I love that response. It was just such a perfect way to end the first season. And I don't think the second season was comparable. Personally. No. <laughs> but I, no. I wrote about that also on the Joel Riders archive. So anyone. Yeah, you can check, you can check out that post right okay. now. Yeah. And as far as my least favorite, I think it's a toss up between mystery Island and trouble in elf town. Because those were two episodes that I hadn't seen for probably about 20 years until people started posting episodes on YouTube. Because the second season um, had a very odd airing schedule, and I missed a lot of it as a kid. So it doesn't have the nostalgia factor for me. But also, I just didn't think they were very interesting episodes in general. There was nothing in it that taught me more about the main characters or the lore of the show, which was what really appealed to me about it. So when I finally did see them years later as an adult, there was just nothing for me to take away. Yeah, I can see that. Okay, Natalie, how about your top two episodes? (laughs) Top two episodes. I, um, I will agree with Stormy with Badlands. I, I loved that one. And that one, I loved the writer of that episode um i think i mentioned maybe last time that i wrote or emailed the writer and bought those scripts from her <laughs> so did you really I no did, you did not mention signed. that the last oh, time oh i didn't oh yeah um oh, somebody's in trouble i know <laughs> i can't oh i can't think of her name right now but she actually she passed away so i she, heard i heard yes. it was like Catherine. Catherine. it wasn't Catherine jones it was Catherine. um something yes and she she has since since passed away and she she hand signed you know they're signed the ones that i have and they're <laughs> so i just <laughs> they're in a box natalie we need scans of these <laughs> i know please scan or take we need photo. images <laughs> right i know so um yes september next this coming september i'll go up there and i will try to find them <laughs> but anyway um so i loved that episode that she wrote um, I believe about, she also wrote uh, Veil of the Unicorns, if I'm not did. mistaken. Yeah, she did. She did. So she wrote both of those. 
and they just seemed like a different, just the writing style and the, the focus. Now she must've loved Fallon because those were the two episodes she wrote about. Right. And, um, Fallon and Tamara are both my, I, I have a toss up like a kind of a scale between which, which one of them, those two that I like the best because they just, their personalities, I wasn't the biggest fan of Princess Guinevere. You know? <laughs> Not many people were. Yeah, you know, I loved Sunstar. I loved her. I felt like there were there were definitely times I feel like her personality could have been highlighted a little more, but and that's a different story. But so Badlands about Fallon and that one was emotional with the the parents not necessarily being there to support, but then showing explaining why in the end. So that was that was a good one, I thought. And then I that was I guess about my favorite one. <laughs> uh I did like Veil of the Unicorns, maybe for the same reason, the same writer, but it wasn't quite as serious. You know. This whole second season had a lot more more campiness to it. Yeah, there's a high <laughs> camp value. Very much. Um <laughs> Yeah, and actually there are probably, I hate to say it, there are probably more episodes I dislike than there. <laughs> well, you can only pick one. You know, well, one, so mine is going to be a, ta- uh, a point five for the one about the sword, Lovestruck. Oh. <laughs> oh, yes. I just wasn't a fan. And actually thinking through everything, I thought Badlands was the first. Badlands was the first episode I saw all the way through. I caught the end of Lovestruck one morning when I was getting ready for whatever on Sunday, the church or something. But anyway, and it seemed but it was cool because it had unicorns and it had magic. So I was like. I'm going to try and watch this next week. And it was a whole better episode. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Lovestruck just made Drake look like a, a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> and just, I don't know, the whole marriage thing. And we're trying to cater towards a certain age age group of, of children. And at that age, hopefully they're not thinking about getting married. <laughs> I, I was thinking about getting married at age four. <laughs> You're the outlier in the statistical analysis. I was. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, it's a, but I don't know. That one just, the, that one did not impress me. And then I'll have to agree about Trouble in Elf Town. I wasn't a big fan of that one either (laughs) in the second (laughs) season. (laughs) We'll come back to that later. Okay. Okay. Elizabeth, how about your top two and then your point five? Oh, I guess I'm going to be the outlier and say mine come from season two. Okay, interesting. Yes, um, Ian's debut episode. Prince of the Forest, okay. I cannot remember the name for the life of me. I just, well, hit the Beauty and the Beast button for me and that's it. (laughs) Yeah, it does play off those really classic storytelling ideas from fairy tales in that episode. Yes. And my second one has to be where Tamara finally, finally gets her full jewel buddy. That's true. Shadow oh, Song. Shadow Song, yeah. Thank you. I cannot remember the name for the life of me. I'm, I'm drawing a blank, honestly. 
But yeah, yeah, there's a lot I, of like, love for Shadow Song out there. Finally got her unicorn. <laughs> Everyone else had one, but she finally got hers. She got but the most had one. She just had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Does the baby really count, though? No. <laughs> <laughs> At least in my fanfics, your- I'm redeeming her by not making her so much of a brat. <laughs> <laughs> what about your point five? I'm going to go have to go with Whom the Bell Trolls. There was, okay. like, oh. That was the one who had the, fro- the Pactory and the Frogs. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very silly one. It's very second season. <laughs> Wasn't that, that first season, though? It was. Yes. Yes. <laughs> It's a harbinger of things to come. Right. <laughs> Very bad harbinger. And that that ghost thing that followed him just just materialized suddenly. Yes. <laughs> yes. The Moore's ghost or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good setting for a Victorian romance novel. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, do you want to go or do you? No, I was going to have you go. Okay, sounds good. So I'm looking at the list and I have to agree with a lot of people. Um, I, I'm going to add my vote for Song of the Rainbow as my number one. And the reason for that is it was actually the introductory episode. I think that, well, Chris, you had seen Jewel Quest. And then yeah. when we started talking about the show and we got together and we actually came over and I went to your house, it was Song of the Rainbow that we first saw. And I think that that, for oh, me... See, I have no memory of that. <laughs> well, it was memorable for me. And um, for me, I think that it was the magical element to it. It was the fact that this girl was in this trance. And as a child, I loved the Sleeping Beauty sequence where she's in the trance and she's like, you know, kind of like walking around, like, you know, um, under the spell. And so for me, that's something that I really attached to. And then the fact that Tamara was musical and she had pink hair, it was all very, it was almost like an Ariel-esque love as well. So um, I think that kind of everything pulled together and then that's the reason why I love Tamara so much. And so that was the episode for me that really encapsulates Jewel Riders. I mean, also when you watch a lot of like the advertisements or even like the, the trailers for the films, they often use sequences from Song of the Rainbow to advertise the series. So for me, that's kind of my, my number one. Um, I'm going to, and it's hard because I agree with Lisa. I love Revenge of the Darkstone and Full Circle. Um, I think that as a child, I was always obsessed with the villain, like kind of victory stories. Like my favorite things to watch are in the Disney films. Like I love watching the climaxes. I love watching like the heroines finally like almost defeated. And then like, you know, the villain is vanquished. Like I love watching those sequences, but I'm going to have to say my second favorite is Morgana. And the reason why is, one, I was obsessed with the intro because I watched it over and over again (laughs) when they showed that Tamara had a unicorn finally. I was so excited that I just watched that intro over and over again. And I love the intro 
to the um to the Morgana episode. So I love the dark stone flying across the wild magic, and then like you have this new heavy, like you know, this new villainess that you're gonna like be introduced to. And then there's even the battle scene inside of the Hall of Wizards. Like I've always found that little part to be really fascinating. I love the music. So I'm gonna say Morgana and Song of the Rainbow. So those are my two. Um, my point five, I'm going to give another tally to trouble in elf town. Um, for <laughs> right. the whole thing is a mess. Like, I'm sorry if anyone who we've interviewed has something to do with this show, had something specific to do with that episode, but just the idea of this, like, western showdown and like this ice skating climax and just everything like it's just it's it's a mess it really is (laughs) that's what it should have been called (laughs) right you don't like trolls in a bar drinking milkshakes is that what you're telling me what did he say he's all like sharing is for friends you haven't made any friends here or something (laughs) the writing the scenarios everything it's It's, just a travesty it's kind of like they just like threw stuff up in the air and let it fall down and it was it was like okay we have one more episode it's like and and the episode didn't even as lisa's blog mentions it didn't even forward the story like the whole point is like talking about the wizard jewels and like all of a sudden there's these like you know untuned enchanted jewels so really the bat and the twister are enchanted jewels but then we never hear them again and it's just it's it's very odd (laughs) yeah i mean it's like even as a child i was like what a missed opportunity to make these three anti-jewel rider jewels and then put them into this story that's a really interesting idea Yeah. yeah For sure, because like then there could be the anti jewel riders against yeah, and have yeah, it's like, it's like, isn't this a <laughs> chance for Morgana to make her own team? You know, right. to... <laughs> you know what immediately comes to my okay, we need a fanfic out there. Someone write this. It's like you remember when the Power Rangers had like their like evil twins or something. It's like yes, Rangers. I actually yeah. do remember that. <laughs> yeah, like that's what this episode should have been. Like the fact that Morgana gets together these like evil jewel riders and those. Are the ones that they have to face off. Someone rewrite this episode. <laughs> Make it better. You know, actually, now that you mention it, Morgana did have a team up in the series finale for like five minutes when she released the ancient wizards and they started following her and like worshiping her for some reason. Yeah. If they're evil, you would think that they would want all the power, so I don't know why they would want it like <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. But if they had stretched that out and made that the season about her bringing back a new wizard in each episode and like learning about their history, right. that would have been something yeah. really interesting. Yeah, there's so I'm many. You hired Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> why, thank you. <laughs> oh well, it wasn't. That's the what could have been, but it wasn't. <laughs> Right. I've always said, too, and, well, that they something a little bit more about the history of uh, Guinevere's mom and dad as jewel writers, you know? Yeah. Kind of what yeah. they what they did, because I guess it just wasn't it wasn't the same, you know, because the wild, you know, the wild magic was not an issue. <laughs> so. It's like. Right. The, so what did they kind of do? Like, did they just run around like with their jewels and just like had magical gatherings or something like there was nothing to do they probably were just training all the time just in case something happened but then it didn't happen until guinevere came of age 
How boring. Because they were the reserves. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. They had weekend weekend um, workout. <laughs> All right, Chris, bring us home. Okay. My top two. I, I went with one from each season. Otherwise, I would have probably picked two from the first season. But... My ultimate favorite episode is Wizard's Peak. Wizard's Peak, to me, has it all. They're exploring a new land. There's new outfits. There's real danger from not only Kale, but the genie. And most importantly, I think Wizard's Peak is the episode for me that expanded the world in my mind. It was the first one that was like, oh, there's ancient scripts, there's the Hall of Wizards, which means there are multiple wizards. Um, You know, there's this amazing place full of all these artifacts. And then there's even, you know, there's a mine train chase scene, like (laughs) Indiana Jones. It's like... I love it. Attraction materials. That's what it was. It's like if they were honestly building something, they could have made that into a roller coaster. Oh, yeah. For the Jewel Riders theme park, you can go ride. (laughs) Right. Wizard's Peak Mind Train. 2030. (laughs) Yeah, after they end the lockdown, I guess. Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, and it's also an episode that really. brings the Drake Gwen not quite romance to the forefront. And I really like their their flirtations and banter and it to me the whole thing reads like kind of an old timey like uh like adventure movie. Yeah. And I think that's why I like that one so much. <laughs> with a with a heavy dose of world expansion, which as as a writer I really appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always there for those tidbits being thrown out. Like Guinevere, all of a sudden she's been studying ancient wizards and she exactly. can track like, walk this way. <laughs> it's like, there's only one way to go in this tunnel. Now. <laughs> right? I never even thought of that. <laughs> well, she wants to get the credit. All right, second oh. episode. Okay, I'm going to disappoint Stormy right now, and my my favorite second season episode is Fashion Fever. Fashion Fever! I think it's just because it's such a ludicrous, farcical episode, you know, you have all of, to me, it's like the, in theater, you have, when you have a farce, it's, you know, it's a thing of like, if there's a hallway, there are multiple doors and people running in and out of the doors. And <laughs> That's a cartoon. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's got dumb jokes like Fallon having to peel potatoes and <laughs> the. I'm the, stuck peeling potatoes for the princess. She's on her own. <laughs> or whatever it was. The baby's trying to be in the fashion show, you know, the wild magic blob. But also, the sword the song is really catchy. I like the song. That's true. That's it has true. it has its moments. 
the chandelier, you know, the cut. Yes, the like I love that sword fight at the end with Drake and Fallon and Kale. And but see, also Chris, I think that that's the running thing between your favorite episodes, okay. though, is because of the fact that you do prefer Drake over the girls. You kind of latched onto the episodes where also Drake is not necessarily seen as the stupid character. Like I think that in a lot of the episodes he gets made fun of, where you obviously enjoy these episodes because he's actually more of the main character. I don't know about main character. I mean, it's it's pretty evenly spread, I think, in that episode. Well, but Wizard Peak. But, I mean, I think that, like, you know, he, he does have a fight with, like, Kale and things like that. Yeah, it's... And also, that episode makes me laugh. I know it's stupid, <laughs> and I know it's ridiculous, but it makes me laugh. So, I've got to I've gotta go with that as my season two favorite. And so then I'm interested in what your point five is. I mean, <laughs> was there any doubt it was going to be trouble in Elf? Oh, yay! You have a winner! <laughs> I mean, it's, you're like everyone has said, it's a hot mess. You have characters ice skating at the end, which could have been a really cool thing, even, if it was spun differently. Should have put that in Wizard Peak. I mean, with the ice. Yes. Now, which episode was the one with the the sheep that went bad? Oh, my God. Oh, that's the the fairy fairy princess. princess. (laughs) I'm sorry, that was another hot mess. Oh, Oh, I love that episode. (laughs) And Lisa's also done a blog about that, about the history of the fairies, where she talks about that as well. We haven't shared that yet. No, we haven't, but it's coming so so in tally we do have some love for song of the rainbow as probably the top favorite episode followed by badlands and then we have our winner for 0.5 with trouble in elf town so you know it is interesting the fact that you know song of the rainbow and badlands were favorites and i think that those two episodes Again, they're not Gwen-specific episodes. They are more focused on Tamara and more focused on Fallon. And I think that that just shows the fact that there was a lot more people and fans who really identified more with the secondary characters, you know, rather than your main character. And, um, yeah, just Trouble in Elf Town, I think that it was just a mess. So <laughs> that's the one that people love to hate, apparently. It, was it also has the most irritating... main character, though, all along? The what? Was Tamara secretly the main character all along? It's called Princess Guinevere and the Jewel Riders, but there are so many stories that revolve around Tamara. Well, that was my theory. Tamara definitely takes the spotlight a lot. Like I said, it should be renamed Tamara and the Jewel Riders. But I mean, you know, and talking a little bit about Avalon Web of Magic, I mean, honestly, that's the reason why I think that Emily is more of the main character, you know, at least at least within the first couple of books where, you know, she's more the focus and then before Kara is. Yeah, and that also follows the sequence from the series where uh, Tamara and Fallon received their jewels before Guinevere. Right. They Mm -hmm. were the ones who knew about them and Guinevere was asking them all the questions. Right. But again, I think that it just, you know, focuses on it. Because her parents were jewel writers. Well, you're saying about the fact that Gwen wasn't really prepared. Um, yeah. That I, makes no sense. Her parents are jurors. Why was she not prepared? <laughs> yeah, she should have been training for this. She was. She was. Yeah. 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 It was um, a different kind of prepared. They were already jewel riders, so she was still learning, you know. I do think if the show was rebooted today, 
I think Tamara would be the main character. Mm-hmm. I think because it provides a better entry point into this into the world, and basically, you know, you're almost better off to have the princess and the royal court as a si- as a as a setting for a non-royal share equal importance oh yeah i don't don't think there would be a main character if it were rebooted it would be about the it would be a team yeah yeah that's true tamara is a good entry because she's the farm girl from out in the sticks who comes exactly exactly (laughs) but i mean you know it's also interesting when you even look at like a modern show like She-Ra that we were just talking about. And yet, you know, while the She-Ra character and Adora are fan favorites, I think that a lot more people have, you know, latched onto other secondary characters more, you know, where those are more of their favorite characters. Yeah. That's another reason I said, I don't think there would be a main character because in the She-Ra reboot, it always comes down to the threesome of She-Ra, Glimmer and Bo. It's always about Mm -hmm. the three of them. Sometimes there are other characters who come in and out, but the three of them are always important. And I feel like in Jewel Riders, there's an even stronger bond between the three because they are the Jewel Riders. They are the show. Mm-hmm. You can't have, like, one without the other two. It wouldn't work. Well, and then even, like, Ketra, like, she's also a fan favorite as well. And I think that that's for other reasons where a lot more people have identified with them. So I feel like a lot of modern cartoons you know, whether it's kids or adults that are watching these, they latch on to kind of, you know, the the awkward one, like the maybe the one that's kind of more of an outcast, like the misunderstood character, rather than the pretty princess who's perfect in all her ways. You know, that's just not relatable. They Well, they, they did try to do that by making Guinevere a newbie. But then I, I, even as a kid, I found it confusing that she became the leader immediately when she had just gotten her sunstone and Tamron Fallon had been using their jewels for however long before that. Good old-fashioned royal nepotism. (laughs) (laughs) You're automatically promoted. But I've only been it for one day. You're the leader. Congratulations. (laughs) That's what Merlin basically said at the end of Jewel Quest. Like. Guinevere, you shall lead the jewel riders. And she even says, but I don't know what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting when we're talking a lot about like the different elements to each of the episodes and like the character development behind it. And I think that as we're talking about 25 years and about the five year anniversary of the archive in that time, Chris and I have had a lot of opportunities to talk with some amazing people and to get some amazing insight. And I think that honestly starting this project, and I think that maybe, you know, we can also talk a little bit about how this all began, but, you know, Chris and I, at least maybe from my perspective, then I can just say Ronnie, um, you know, I didn't really think a lot about many of these things. Like I didn't think about the development of the characters. I didn't think about the world building. I didn't think about a lot of that stuff. It was more like, I liked this show as a child and as a creator, I know that those things go into the development of it, but I just liked it for what it was. And so when we were starting the archive, I never really thought about all the work that goes into it until having all the interviews, having the discussions, talking with the circle of friends, like writing blogs and writing behind the scenes and editing videos and like getting the full picture. Like, I don't know if how you guys felt. Well, I had received the show Bible 
like a, maybe half a year, a year before we opened the archive. And when I sat down to read that for the first time, it was like, boom, my mind. <laughs> that is how I felt when I first read it. It was an experience. Yeah, that's a perfect word for it. Like, I made myself, like, a cup of tea, and I sat down to read it, and it was just... <laughs> sat in your armchair. And... Exactly. <laughs> Did you have your fireplace roaring in the background, right. too? <laughs> I think it was summer, so probably... <laughs> but it was, it was an experience, because I think it's really the first time I had ever been able to see a piece of development work thing that I really loved. Right. That the show Bible, which you still haven't read, by the way. <laughs> Thanks for exposing me. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I told him I was all like, this will be my anniversary gift to you. I will read the show Bible. <laughs> After five years. <laughs> yes. Read the thing that started it. <laughs> Right. Okay, do you know how busy I've been editing and producing and drawing and doing everything else for the archive? You can carve out uh, two hours. <laughs> but, full faith. you know, a little bit of story behind it, though, and talking about setting up the archive, um, it was because of the fact that Chris had gotten a hold of some of the behind-the-scenes artifacts, artifacts, like, you know, the, the show Bible and things like that. And and so you started to purchase some of the items, like the scripts, the show Bible. I think that at that point you had also gotten the style guide and some other items. Is that correct? Right. Okay. And so that it was, was more... Like maybe late 2013, somewhere in 2014. And at the time, you were sharing those things on different platforms because there wasn't the archive. So you were sharing them already amongst the circle of friends and amongst the Joyrider fans that were still alive. I mean, yeah, not still I alive, was, but I was the sharing fandom them alive. as I could with the live journal group. Okay. And then from there, we started to have conversations like, okay, you know, there's still a small but mighty group who still enjoys Jewel Writers. We still talk about these things. We still exchange fanfic. Let's really think about a place where we can house all of this stuff. I mean, that's what I remember. Warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the whole point, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, giving it giving it a home basically again on the internet. And we said that we said that there really isn't an outlet for like officially for jewel writers. Like there is no website, there's no nothing because we have been inspired by Stormy's Avalon from a few years, well, a decade prior to this. So, you know, that was kind of the basis for the drawers archive. And so then we decided, okay, you have some of these items and you've been sharing them on whether it's the live journal or Flickr or other places that you had been sharing them. Like, let's actually create a domain. Let's create an, a whole kingdom where we can essentially house all of the archived, you know, scripts and images and things like that. Like, I don't, I don't think that we really foresaw what would happen. Like, you know, we definitely had our hopes that, you know, one day we would interview people, but I, I, I don't know. Like, what was your initial thoughts? Well, I, I don't know if I've said this before, but I was like, well, it'll be a nice small thing, you know? <laughs> That's how <laughs> and it And then, of course, it turned, out, it turned into this thing that ate my life. 
<laughs> for five long years. Who needs a life? <laughs> right? Not Chris, oh, that's for, for sure. <laughs> Jewel Riders for life. <laughs> there you I think go. I need that on a t-shirt. <laughs> oh my goodness. But, yeah, but no, after I, wanting I, to house I, I it. Probably just warehoused it and, you know, here's here's a blog, here's all the materials. Have fun, bye. <laughs> and, and then, then Ronnie stepped into the picture. But that's and that's something that, that you're much better at than me is, you know, thinking about how to really share all of these materials with as wide a group of people as possible. I know when you were making the list of all the different social medias, I was like, I I didn't even know about these. And I don't know. I'm like, you mean there's things beyond like Facebook? And I would never, I never even thought of Facebook as a platform to share that kind of stuff. Right, right. And, you know, I think that, whether it was for better or worse, I mean, that's just the way that things kind of formed. But originally, you're right. I mean, I think that you kind of had this idea that you just wanted to put all the content out there and make it available. But when we were more inspired by other outlets, like we looked at rainbowbright.net, we also looked at heman.org, and we were inspired by the way that they had, you know, podcasts and blogs and social media content and you know, running articles and the way that their website was set up. And so those are really more the foundations of what inspired us and how, how we were going to, you know, basically create the website. So Chris and I got together and I think that this is about a year beforehand. So this must have been like 2014. We were at a Mimi's Cafe and we were having lunch and um, we were just discussing like what you know, what all the website would entail. And basically we were formulating like, okay, what is our vision? What is our goal? What do we want to kind of, what do we want to do and what do we want to create? And it was really there that we started to discuss, you know, what the website would be looking like and called and some of the logos. And I can share an image of that, um, that very early concept, but that's basically where it all started. And, and it was there that we divided accountabilities. And I think that I definitely pulled the, um, the wrong straw, but (laughs) I was given, you know, I was given the artistic direction and the social media and Chris was given written content. Little did I know that I would become the social media person who answers emails and Instagram questions and everything. And that just, it became overwhelming because I think originally, you know, we were reaching out to everyone and we were like, oh, hey, do you remember Jewel Writers? Do you know about Jewel Writers? We were definitely trying to, you know, build our profile, but that became doing it like every day. And I know, Chris, you were writing blogs like multiple times a month and we were, you know, doing updates every month and we were just, it was, it was a lot of work. Yeah, it was the, the second unpaid job that I never (laughs) knew it was going to turn into for a while. Right. But I I have to say, I really admired you guys for doing all of that because you inspired me to start the princess blog. Well, thank you. Yay, we inspired someone. (laughs) And I'm constantly amazed by how quickly you can write, Lisa. I was like, oh, my gosh, she's so fast. It's like, (laughs) 
Well, thank you, Lisa. But I mean, your blog, you know, is is the way that a blog is. And I think that that's the good thing is that you focus on the written content and you focus on sharing those elements to it. You know, I think that, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe we just took on much more than we could actually do, but it just, it was so much work, especially in the beginning. I, I was really surprised by how much work you were putting into it. I was like, wow, these guys are just super Crazy. dedicated. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, that's great. And throughout all of that, you know, one of the people, <clears throat> Natalie, still didn't yeah. know about the archive. <laughs> I, I did not. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. All of my marketing well, efforts. <laughs> we forgive you. Well, but, you know, I... Remember, I you know, kind of, I moved away and I completely changed, like, emailed everything. And then I also got off of Facebook. <laughs> so, you know. So it's I all good. Me. You found us eventually. I, did I was it just on YouTube of all places. Right. <laughs> you know, and again, I, that's the thing is that we had so many different social media outlets. Um, I would be interested, um, and I think that we, if we could just go around the room. Um, I'm interested in, you know, your earliest memories of the Joyers archive. Um, you know, what, you know, either A, how you found us or, you know, what exactly was it that you really were inspired by when you first saw it? Like if there was something that definitely stood out for you and I'm like, wow, like this is cool. I have no idea that this existed or that they have this or whatever it might be. Um, so Stormy, I'll start with you. Well, how I found it, I assume Chris told me about it. I think he would have gotten in touch and said, oh, we made this thing. And yeah. then I went there and then I read the show Bible and oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Building. I love it. Give me more. And we gave you more. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's my story with the archive. Not terribly interesting, but boy, I'm uh, glad that you guys are there. Oh, thank you. I, I think I do remember, Chris, you, you did write Stormy, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, we were we were live journal friends at the time. And I'm so I'm sure you were part of the live journal group. I was. And I think that you posted the the teaser image that I created. You posted that on the live journal. And you're like, hey, Jewel. You no, know, you didn't have Jewel fans at the time. But you're like, hey, you know, check out this thing that we're doing or something. Yeah, I, I did. Because it was really the only place at the time that I knew where other Jewel Rider fans were. Right. Right. <laughs> They're kind of spaced out a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, I, I was like, oh, well, there's some people here already. I think they would be excited to know about this. <laughs> right, right. Well, Lisa, how about you? Yeah, um, well, my answer is similar to Stormy, but how I first got in contact with Chris again was a little different um, because I had deleted my live journal for personal reasons and I switched to Facebook and I, I think I lost touch with him on Facebook for a while until I wrote a randomly wrote a fan fiction one day for one writing group I was in and started looking up to see if there were any Jewel Writers fan fictions and I found Chris's amazing novel about how oh, Tamara dear. got her heart stone <laughs> and became a Jewel Writer and I was like wow this person loves the show as much as me if not more I need to find out <laughs> so 
I contacted him and realized that he had been on my live journal group back when I had a live journal and we reconnected on Facebook. And because of that, he was able to tell me right away about the Jewel Riders archive. And I was super excited about it because Jewel Riders has always been my favorite or one of my favorite shows for pretty much my entire life. That's never changed. So I was so glad that I had randomly discovered his Tamara fanfic and got in touch with him again so he could tell me about it as soon as he got started. Oh, the magic of Tamara. I'm so glad that I finished that then because <laughs> that's the reason. <laughs> it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you. Lisa, was there something when you first went to the site or when you first looked at our social, was there something that really grabbed you about the archive, like uh, anything that we had? Um, my earliest memory of the archive is when you were making promo videos for it and you re-narrated the opening narration from the VHS tapes. And uh, yes. made it for the archive instead of for the tapes. And I thought that was just so cute because I was like, hey, <laughs> oh, I remember all this dialogue. <laughs> come join the mm-hmm. come, come join the excitement. <laughs> <laughs> it's the greatest action superheroes of the 90s. Right. <laughs> yeah, I remember um when I showed my VHS tapes of Jewel Riders to my college sci-fi club where we watched a lot of old school cartoons, and so I wanted to introduce them to it. They saw that narration at the beginning of the tape, and as soon as they said, um, was it the most amazing action, action heroes of the heroes 90s of or the something 90s. like that, everyone in the room burst out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> the most amazing action heroes that you've never heard of. <laughs> Not the X-Men or Batman. Yeah, no one else right. said it but me. I was trying to introduce them to it, and I guess that wasn't the best way to introduce them. <laughs> Well, to us, they were the greatest action heroes. Yes, for sure. (laughs) Oh, that's sweet. Thank you. And, you know, that teaser trailer um, was a lot of fun to make. But like everything else, we were rushed to do it because in the timeline, it was, okay. you know what? We have the website and Chris and I were going back and forth on deciding what the website would actually look like and what the color scheme, what the platform, like we were discussing all that to the very last minute. And I had created the logo that we use. And so I did that. And then we put it up on the website that was like a hold page. And I think that Chris, we had it there for, was it a month or something or how long was it? I think it was about a month of that black hold page with the logo. Right, so it was about from August 2015 until September. And it was like, oh, debuting soon. And then we had like the hold image and it had basically like, you know, the fact that we're gonna have scripts and memorabilia and behind the scenes stuff. So again, we were really pushing you know, to make sure that a lot of people knew about it. And I think that we got something like either a couple of hundred or a thousand or something people saw that hold image. And so we were excited because there was also an opportunity for people to sign up to get informed, like, oh, like we're actually going live, like click to get, you know, informed and to be updated. But I think that only a couple of people actually signed up. So I think that right there we should have seeing that, hey, there is a fandom, but it's still small. Like, you know, we're not going to necessarily be the large fandom that, like, She-Ra or, you know, someone else, like Power Rangers or something like that has, you know. And there's always the issue of... That also, I think, makes it easier to find because if it's a really popular show, there would be, like, thousands of fan sites and then no one would be able to group to one place. 
and meet each other. Because so positive, Lisa. Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and that's true. That's one of the reasons I love Jewel Riders so much, too, because the fan base is very defined and we all kind of know each other. Stormy has a nice quote for this. Stormy, I don't know if you want to insert your quote, but the whole reasoning you were talking about being a fish when you were thinking about, you know, when you were creating your site. Oh, right. I remember. Fish in the small pond. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you don't want to be that small fish in the large ocean. You want to be the big fish in the small pond. So, and I think that that's how Chris and I felt, you know. It's the fact that we were able to, as you said, you know, Lisa, we were able to group everyone together and we were able to have this go-to place where everyone could join. And it's it's like a, you know, a circle of friends. It's a family grouping. And um, so then we made those videos and we posted them on YouTube to get people interested. And from there, we started to release the scripts. Um, and so for me, you know, that was definitely a part where for me personally, it was like, okay, wow, this is really game changing. We have a lot of, you know, items that maybe not have been shared before, or maybe you would share them. I don't remember on likes on. I had um, definitely not scanned all of the scripts. Okay. So those were I still being shared. I think, yeah, nobody, um, I never got through all the scripts when I was posting them to live journal. I think it was just the show Bible, probably the style guide and like maybe two or three of the other scripts. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. And then as we kind of ramped up to open the archive, I was like, well, I'll just save this. And, and then we'll release it. them. And that's kind of what <laughs> intrigued people. So then going to Elizabeth, I, I actually haven't heard your story. Um, I kind of know Natalie's, but Elizabeth, what's your story with finding the archive? Well, I was also in the live journal group Chris was in, so I found the style Bible, uh, style guide and show Bible via him, and then I've adopted the show Bible characters as mine. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know you like Tara and Brand quite a bit, and I always like reading your little fix with them, and I was like, oh, there's some love for these two, these poor two little forgotten characters. Hey, I saw all the show Bible characters. What are you talking about? <laughs> They're my babies. Well, now. I definitely hope I hope that you do enjoy like when we had the art submissions for the different characters, um, with the brand, you know, the designs for him and with Tara as well. Uh what were your feelings for those then? I'm interested. When I found out about the show Bible characters that got dropped, why were they dropped? These guys sounded awesome. So I'm like, okay, no one's using them? Fine. I'm going to explore them and use them myself. And have you had a chance to look at the at the art that people made to design them? Yes, I did. And what did you think? <laughs> Some amazing art there. I know. There's I was I'm always like constantly surprised by the turnout of really good art that people make. And I'm like, wait, what? Like <laughs> where did this come from? We we have these amazing artists here. Like, well, of course. One more thing. Archiveofourown.org also has a Princess Guinevere se- section up. What is it? Oh, Archive of Our Own. Archive of Our Own is a large oh. fan fiction repository website. Oh. Like DeviantArt? Uh, like fanfiction.net, but better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I've I've slowly been posting some of my old stuff there too. Hoping to, 
you know, enlarge the jewel rider section a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're rather small. I think yes, I have most of the contribution. I think to it's it. you and me. <laughs> well, I mean, but again, that's the whole thing is that, you know, when we were starting the archive, you have all these different little sub groups and and you know to lisa's point yes it's not necessarily maybe the thousands of groups that these other properties have but you still have lots of other you know fans for jewel writers whether it's on you know fanfic or deviant art or instagram and it was kind of just all over the place so you know the fact is is that we still get those people who are like oh i didn't you know know about it or I didn't hear about it or whatever it might be. And and I think that that's, you know, that's kind of like Natalie's story, but you know, whether it's people had moved on or, you know, they weren't necessarily looking for dual writers, but then a lot of times we have people who, you know, come upon us and it's like, Oh my gosh, like I remember watching this show as a kid. Like I found you as, you know, as Natalie and you can tell your story, but it's like, I found you through whatever site. (laughs) Do you want me to go ahead? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, we had a Coop and I had a nostalgia night where we were watching old. We we sat down on the couch and we said we're going to watch some old cartoons from our childhood, because um he, you know most of the ones he had I'd heard of, but he hadn't heard of some of the ones of mine. So of course I said well we're going to watch this episode of Princess Guinevere and the Jewel Riders on YouTube, and it was Shadow Song, because. I love that one too, but you know, know. anyway, (laughs) and right at the end of it, I saw this thing about Jewel Riders archive and it it said podcast. And I said, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) Yay. My marketing worked. (laughs) It did. I said, said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead. So a couple days later, I I went back on YouTube and I watched the podcast. And then suddenly you mentioned, oh, well, this is from the old Avalon site. And this this is these are the fanfic by Morning Glory. And I literally just fell off my couch. I, thought, I was like, wait, they're talking about me. <laughs> I automatically had to send an email. I said and I went I had my phone sitting there. So of course I went straight to my, straight to the archive from my phone and I started looking and I said, wow, I have to check this out like right now, but I have to email them first and say, hey, you probably didn't know this, but I, I hadn't, I didn't know. I had no idea. <laughs> I didn't know I was being used on this website. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Nothing like them. No, nothing like that. Well, That's been long enough ago. It's like Well, Chris has a story for all of that. Um, didn't you try contacting everyone? Who? Like everyone that was associated with the fan fix. Like you tried reaching out to anyone that you had oh, their yeah, contact I, for. Any I pulled all the email addresses off of the old Avalon website on the <laughs> internet archive. And I tried emailing people to see if if it would go through, if we could have permission to repost their stuff. So, Natalie, there's a good chance that we emailed you, but it probably just bounced back with a bad probably. email. We emailed yeah. an ancient email. Right. <laughs> Found in the Hall of Wizards. The Hall of Wizards, somewhere in one of the scrolls. Exactly. Well, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm overjoyed you wanted to use my stuff. That's fine. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. But, I mean, you know, and we do have that, you know, and who knows? I mean, maybe someone will find a um an old story that they wrote and they're gonna find it somewhere on the archive maybe a few years from now and then they'll listen to this podcast 
but I mean, you know, it, that's the thing is that I think that because of the fact that we have a small outlet for our fandom and previous to this, you know, a true website is really only Avalon. So with Stormy's help, we've been able to archive all of those fan fictions, which Chris has just finished uploading to the website. So we have an archive of all of those fan fiction as all that fan art, you know, any information that was housed on Stormy's Avalon page is now on the Jorah's archive. So I think that it's awesome. The fact that we have a legacy. I mean, I know that we're celebrating our five years and the 25 years of Jorah's, but essentially the fandom is celebrating 25 years as well, because, you know, Stormy with your launch of Avalon back in like, you know, what, 97 or so like, yeah. So it's like it, it too almost has, you know, it's more than 20 years, almost 25, but the fandom has been writing and has been sharing for just as long, which is an amazing story. It's an amazing story, especially for such a small cartoon. And it brought everyone together, which is what I love most. Not small to us. No, right? no. <laughs> you know, I but think comparatively. That, yeah, I know. You know, to com- compared to like the juggernauts of things like Transformers or oh, She-Ra or yeah, He-Man or. You know, those are also old shows. Mm-hmm. Because they they were in the eighties, so they they have a good how ten or so years on Jorah's. So, so it's you know. it's Shira's anniversary this year as well. Yeah, she's actually turning 35 this year. Here in September <laughs> as well. 35. It's the same thing. So, so I'm turning 35 too. Just <laughs> <laughs> not in September, but yes, everyone everyone celebrating this year isn't that fantastic? Je- is Jem also turning. 35? Oh, Jem is also. I think so. Wow. I don't know. We'd have to do some research on that. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. And the magical <laughs> oh yeah, no, it is. This year is Gem's thirty-fifth. Yes. Wow! Look at that. So many amazing oh, memories. Another <laughs> paired singer. Exactly, who's the lead singer? <laughs> so after we decided, okay, we're gonna start the website, and then we launched it, and we had all of our promotional pieces. Um, what we started with was the scripts. And I know, Chris, you took a long time to scan all that stuff and to share it. And then you were done with your work, what, like a year later? And then, <laughs> and then I started my work, which was digitizing and editing all of the episodes. So after you released all of the scripts, I started releasing all of the episodes. And what was fun with this is the fact that this was the first time that the Guinevere episodes, to our knowledge, had been released in entirety to the world through, through social media. Because before this, it was just a lot of Starla episodes. Yeah, that always frustrated me. Even official releases have the Starla version. And I'm like, but it wasn't the one that was released here. Right. I think the one official DVD that they released it's changed Starla. the Starla logo on the cover to say yes. Princess Guinevere. But then when you play it, it says Starla. But And the logo wasn't the Princess Guinevere logo right. on the cover. It was the Starla logo, but they changed the text. Yeah, I think like the whole a- thing is just mixed up. Yeah, but yes, you're right, 100%. Did did they ever explain why they had two different names? Actually, yes. Greg, yeah. I I may just not have have seen that part. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, it's basically a a quick recap is that they couldn't license the name Guinevere for release in the United Kingdom. Okay, I see. 
Understood. So she be- so she became Starla there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's other, you know, speculations, like, as you said, you know, releasing the name, but it could just be that the, you know, United Kingdom is much more closer to the Arthurian legend. So oh, releasing yeah. the show where her name is Guinevere, but yet it follows nothing of the actual lore could have been, oh. you know, met with some angry fans um but greg specifically said that international names often have to have minor spelling changes or conjunction changes so a simple less specific name that translates better because there's too many ways to translate like princess so if you said princess guinevere it's just easier just to say starla and that can just translate to any language um so that's basically what the reason is. But I, that is something that people constantly ask is, why is it two names? Like, why is it Starla? Why is it Guinevere? And that's just the simple reason. Yeah. And then after like, we released... You could have released, avoided the uh-huh. whole thing if they just called the show just Jewel Riders. Right. <laughs> and just focused on all three of them. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't have changed the dialogue. Though. I mean, they still would have had to change the dialogue. Right. Right. Like, like the only the- other example I can think of is Aisha from Winx Club, who sometimes is called Layla, but sometimes is called Aisha. Yeah. But her name is Aisha, like, canonically. Mm-hmm. They just temporarily made it Layla for a little while. The good old four kids dub. <laughs> <laughs> so we released the Guinevere episodes, and we also released the Starla episodes and the French episodes as well. Um, that was a bit of an archival, just a fun adventure in itself because we purchased the French DVDs and then I ripped the video from the French DVDs because they were better transfers. And then we used the audio from our original VHS that we recorded back in the day when the show was being shown in syndication. And I also used the audio from the officially released VHS tapes. And I blended all of them together to create the videos that we have. So some of the video content is from a torrent. Some of it's pulled from the DVDs. Um, and then the audio is from the VHS tapes because I find that the VHS tapes have better audio. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, yes. Then some of the later VHS to DVD transfers, like the one that was released on DVD, like those just don't have good audio to them. So that's the audio that I used and I kind of Frankenstein them all together. And that's what we have. <laughs> um, Stone sewed it up, hit it with exactly. lightning. <laughs> <laughs> Made it, it, it's alive! One of your lives! Um, And then we started sharing more behind the scenes. Like then we started to have the, you know, just the amazing wealth of the library that we have. Like we started to show some of the the images that show, you know, whether it's a, a design detail or character development, or then we also got the videos from behind the scenes where they're showing the recording sessions. And then we got a chance to interview Carrie Butler. And then we got a chance later, you know, to do all these other conversations with people. So it, it really started to evolve and change. And I think that something that just started out as, you know, someplace that Chris wanted to just share his scanned scripts just really turned <laughs> into something much more no and i think no, the podcast hopefully everyone enjoys i think the podcast <laughs> is sort of emblematic of that because it's it did give us a place to talk to some of these people like corinne Orr or greg 
a Torre and really and kind of have those conversations with them and really just learn about behind the scenes of Jewel Riders and Avalon Web of Magic and and it I this this in particular has been a really fun thing to do. I've really enjoyed doing the podcast, I have to say. <laughs> Because also I get well, to I'm chat glad with you all enjoy of you. it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, I mean, I think that it's 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 definitely changed because it went from originally, you know, we were just trying to house a couple of documents that we had to really growing a collection and to reaching out to people and to making friendships. And, you know, you were talking about the amazing artists that we have, and, and it's through the social media and it's through the outlets that we've created that we've created a lot of these relationships, you know, and, and, you know, just as we are astounded by some of the writing ability of all of you, you know, there's those amazing artists out there that like, you know, I'll tell them, Hey, you know, like, can you create this? And they whip it up. And like, you know, an hour later, like, Oh, here, I created this for you. And it's like, you know, whether it's drawing jewels or drawing characters or fan art or whatever it is, just the entire jewel writers community is just, it's so amazing, and I and I love the fact, as we've said, that we are s- small enough where we're we're close knit to each other, but big enough that we really reach all across the world. I mean, we you know we have someone who contacts us from France, or maybe someone from you know England or Russia or you know where Asia, like wherever it is in the in the world, we've been able to all come together, which is just this amazing feeling. I love it. Mm. Isn't it magical? It is <laughs> Isn't it magical? <laughs> so I did, I did want to ask everyone here, kind of, what are some of the things that you have enjoyed basically learning from the archive and all the materials there in the last few years? <laughs> I loved that Guinevere had a sister that was never actually in the uh, show, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Never would have thought that. No, that was like a mind. That was like a mind blown moment. Yes, was like, completely hidden. You know. <laughs> and aside from just reaching out to the Phantom to get their, you know, artistic visions of what Tara might have looked like, to actually get genuine character sketches, you know, to show like what the character might have looked like in reality, that also was amazing. It's like the fact that there is this, you know, design work out there that exists and that we are so privileged and lucky to have about this show that we just love. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that uh, there was video footage of the recording sessions. That was a real treat. Yes. Those are courtesy of John Beach, the voice actor who played Archie and Drake. Nice. And he, I'm like, and I love that they're, I think they're recording either Revenge of the Dark Stone or Full Circle. Both. Yeah. 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 And you can just, you know, you can watch Corrine Orr, like, being amazing as Kale and her her laugh. And <laughs> I also love the fact that Laura Dean is, you know, just over yes. there being pregnant and she's just sitting down and still recording her session. Like, I, that's so sweet to me. Like, she embodies Tamara. Hmm. And then to see a young Carrie Butler... 
doing her performance as well. And then John is just, you know, recording it and he's kind of doing like, I guess we could say a selfie, like, you know, of his performances. And I just, I love it. But, you know, Lisa, why specifically did you choose that? Like, what is it that you took away from that? Oh, I just love um, the idea of being involved in a production studio and like knowing how everything is made. Like I'm the person who watches every single bonus feature on every DVD I've ever gotten. So oh, yes. to see that actually come to life and to see these actors in a room together recording and that it's not just some sort of magical thing that popped up on my TV screen that makes it feel so much more grounded and something that I could actually realistically be a part of someday. Mm-hmm. Almost definitely. I mean, I, I totally understand with you about like, you know, being part of the behind the scenes and definitely watching all the bonus features. Like for me, that's the highlight. Like I probably have seen the movie in the movie theaters. So for me, it's watching all the bonus features to show yeah. like the making of. Exactly. It's too bad. I love they don't it. Really. DVDs have uh, declined a lot in popularity. They're kind of going obsolete now. Everything is streaming. They are. Yeah, I and just bought like streaming new have. DVDs. <laughs> well, actually, Disney Plus does have an extras section, but it's very easy it's to make. not. Yeah, it's and it's also limited. Like, I mean, if you went and looked at the bonus features, like, you know, like if I went to my platinum DVD release and looked at all the bonus features versus the extras, oh, those are the, the streaming best. Side. now we bought one on amazon it was um rock of ages Mm -hmm. had all the extra i mean we bought like whatever one had all the extra scenes and whatnot and then afterwards they had interviews with a bunch of the different bands that came to the set and watched them actually record the songs so there may still be some versions you can buy digitally that have some of those bonus features too you know (laughs) Right. Possibility. But it's just, it's just <laughs> the fact that we much, like watching. You know? <laughs> right. And, you know, I really have to thank the people who had enough foresight to essentially help archive this stuff. Like the fact that someone held on to these, you know, Jewel Writers yeah. development sketches and the scripts and, you know, all of this behind the, the scenes stuff. recording of. Exactly. <laughs> like on, you know, recording the recording session, like it wasn't professionally done. It's not like the director actually sat down, you know, and Robert was like, okay, we're going to record these recording sessions for posterity. Like, right. no, like they weren't even saved. But you remember, I mean, for a lot of people, and this is something that fans often I, I I find it interesting like when fans do interviews they always ask the artist or whoever was involved like what was it like being there or did you know that it was going to be a classic or whatever and it's like no it's like a lot of these people this is just a job like they're just actors and they just came in they did their work they did their job they didn't walk away thinking that it was going to be something that someone would still be talking about you know decades later like no matter what the project was like even people who worked on like classic films like if you ask someone they're like no I just I went on set and we just created whatever, you know, Mary Poppins or whatever. It's like, right. we didn't think about it. Like, it wasn't something like that, you know. We weren't so privileged to be part of it. So, yeah, I, I think that... I'm mm-hmm. not even sure Carrie Butler realized that the show had a second season. Because the one time I met her and I asked her why she didn't do the second season, she said, I, I didn't? There was a second season? <laughs> well, that's a whole other conversation. But yes... <laughs> That was my interview with her, essentially. Yeah, it's it's just another job, basically. Exactly, exactly. But then you have someone like Ray, you know. 
to go do Beauty and the Beast in Toronto? Correct. I think, I think that's, I think what, that's what she did. Surmised, yeah. Because we're not really sure, but that's when Jean Louisa came on. Um, but I mean, as far as like how we're saying with actors and it's like, you know, it's truly someone like Greg who's able to share their experiences because they truly love the property. They loved what they were doing and they share, you know, it, and you can hear the love in their in their voice. And that's just what I enjoy, especially about the podcast, is talking to people who truly enjoy it. Well, I think it goes back to somebody who invested creatively versus somebody who showed up for yeah. work. Mm-hmm. For sure. I, I also really liked um, the Enchanted Camelot uh, previews that you posted from before it became Princess Guinevere and the Joel Riders. And I feel like even if it had been made like that and it had been called Enchanted Camelot, I probably would have loved it just as much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> and Fallon I, had a wolf? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> well, and this is something that, you know, we can definitely share. I mean, there is going to be a lot more content. So if you've enjoyed what you have seen so far and all the things that you've learned about with like the scripts and the behind the scenes, you are going to love what we have planned for the 25th anniversary. Um, we have a ton of development sketches, art, behind the scenes items, just everything to share with you throughout the 25th anniversary. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, we I can't we, wait to see this. We've stuff. been busy. We've been busy. I'm really curious. It's <laughs> been scanning and archiving and like literally hundreds and hundreds of things. Like we have received an amazing donation from a benefactor. So we have everything that we need to share with you guys. Which actually leads to one thing that we did this year that Storm was a part of when we did the Traveling Archive Showcase. I mean, I know we've talked about this prior, but, you know, just even Stormy's, like, takeaway from just everything that we had to showcase there. I mean, just imagine that now everyone gets to gets to see it essentially on, on our social medias and on the website. Stormy, I don't know if you have input from there. I have no particular input. It's really cool. Okay. And I could not believe that you actually had the shadow song figure. Yeah. <laughs> was like, I, that was the thing that blew my mind the most was the shadow song toy. They actually have it. <laughs> and I see, I don't even know how much we've actually, I know we've shared photos of the prototypes and things like that, but like we have a lot more like physical prototypes to share as well and art and just everything. So it's a lot of stuff. Oh, wow, more. I cannot wait. More coming. We're excited. We're also exhausted, but we're excited. We're we're developing a couple of projects um, for some physical goods that, outside of what we do with Redbubble designs, we're working on making uh, enamel pins of the four main jewels, so the sun, moon, heart, and forest stones. And by the time of this release, those are already available. Yeah, they should be. They should be coming soon. And we're also working on a zine to basically trace the development and history of Jewel Riders and its fandom. So, like, kind of like a, I don't want to say a coffee table book, but because <laughs> it won't be that nice. <laughs> oh. 
but it will be available as well. Yeah, so um, it probably won't be available September. <laughs> not probably and, not. Well, yeah. it's in the works. How about yeah, it is? It is. Should, should be by the end of the year at least. We hit a couple of bumps here and there, but we are working on it. Yeah. Um, we also took a poll regarding an official DVD release. I was going to make DVDs and have them available for sale, but we've hit a little bit of a setback on that as well. But those should be available later in the year as well. Um, they're probably going to be an on-demand product, so if you're interested in having an actual copy of them on disc, we'll probably have those available. Um, and we also talked about custom plush we've been working with the art director and he wants to create custom plush of the characters so that's going to be something else that will be available by this time through the anniversary as well so those will all be amazing things that are available in commemoration of the 25th anniversary of jewel riders that is nice. so awesome i wonder if, yeah i wonder if you can make me a plush thunder Oh, that would I'm be sure so he cute. can make you whatever it is. Like a little TV Thunder, you know? Yes. <laughs> Will Let's they be able to do a Flash Sunstar with the wings? I know. Well, there's definitely, we're going to be taking a poll. So by this time, it'll already have been up. But um, we're going to be asking what animals are the the fans are most interested in. Um, it's all going to be custom. It's oh, all going to be Archie. custom. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's exciting. Archie that is like the pl- sit on my shoulder and tell me how I'm doing everything wrong. <laughs> and have little glasses <laughs> off his face, you know. <laughs> so that is that. That's the plan for the anniversary. Um, you know, everything that we've talked about, like I said, you know, it's the fact that we just wanted to create a place to share our scanned papers and it became truly a a fandom like a a kingdom of friends and that's what i love most about it and it's the fact that we're able to connect a circle of friends uh yes a circle of friends our little kingdom is a circle yes and um and you know it's just been an amazing experience and it's just it really is mind-blowing to think that it's been five years for the archive and yet I mean, a part of me definitely feels like it's been five years, but then a part of me is also like, I can't believe it's been five years. Like, you know, it's just the fact that it's there's been so many amazing memories and we've done so much. And whether it was interviews or meeting up with people in person to go to toy shows or to create a showcase ourselves or to do Instagram lives or to share, you know, prototype images that we had no idea existed. It's just it's been such an amazing thing. Um yeah, we With were every- supposed to do another one of those live archive shows in Southern California. Well, I and think that we've... Alas, COVID. We will create something, <laughs> well, but I think that, you know, yeah, obviously <laughs> the safety of our fans are the most important of thing. Course. So like many things, unfortunately, had to be canceled. But that's still something. I mean... Just like with Disney anniversaries, the anniversary extends past the year and it'll probably go until next year. An so. anniversary lasts for three years. Exactly. <laughs> well, the so, can go virtual, your tour can go virtual. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that we already kind of had a virtual, but the whole, just like as you said, the whole experience is actually being able to see the prototype and to be able to hold it and everything. But that's definitely a, a plan. And I know that Lisa and I will work together and we'll create something, you know, a little meetup or something here in Southern California. So unfair to us who live on the East Coast. I know. I would love oh. to. You'll have to I be virtual, to unfortunately. I'm sorry. Things. I would love to do. Grab Corrine Orr from. 
I was going to say, Corrine is over there, too. So we'll have to go and grab her. And we'll say, okay, Corrine, come with us. We're going to have a meetup somewhere. We're jewel riders. <laughs> I would say she really was so sweet. The outer bank, but it's kind of out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, well, those are some great takeaways that you had mentioned. If there's anything else... Um, we're going to go down the list, but I am curious to see again, if you, you know, what takeaways you found from throughout the archive and, and when we started it five years ago, but also if there hasn't been something that maybe that's been on your mind and, you know, maybe it's a question that you still had or something that you didn't necessarily hear answered. If there's something that comes to mind, um, I would love to hear it. So let's go ahead. Um, Lisa, I'll start with you. Is there anything? Well I might be speaking for several people when I say, um, is the Avalon series still in production or was it canceled? The animated series? Yeah. Okay. As far as That's the closest know, thing we're ever going to get to a reboot. As yes. Far as right. And there's a whole story behind that, too. Um, as we have discussed, you know, with some of the people that were involved with the actual creation of Avalon Web of Magic and also with Jack as well from the Avalon Archive. You know, when Robert, you know, went away from Jewel Writers and wanted to create, you know, his own kind of property, his own storyline, um, that's the reason why Avalon Web of Magic is so similar to Jewel Writers is because he wanted to actually have something that he himself, you know, owned. And, um, it's interesting because at the very beginning, you know, when they started posting a picture and they posted a picture of them watching Jewel Riders, like, oh, referencing the classics, we're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, there's obviously an accepted relationship between these two properties. Like, we already knew some of that, but this was just confirming it. And so when we try to have conversations regarding production, um, the as any Avalon fan will tell you, we've been hearing that it's been in production for the past couple of years. The long and, and tortured history of production. Exactly. <laughs> and and it's hell. hell. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Before that, there was supposed to be a movie. Yes. It was a yes. live action movie, but then that turned into an animated series, and then the animated series turned into, well, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> well, and Ali, as she said in the podcast, she did the conceptual art for what just at least when they were pitching the story, what it was going to look like. So they did, you know, they, they have been working on it. Um, but I guess like any production company, they're going to tell you, yes, it's still in production. Like, yes, we're still working on it. Like maybe it just might've been, you know, placed on hold for a little while, but every time we ask, it seems like it's still in production. So we haven't been told at least no as of yet. So it's yeah, like that. I know the Voyager world Instagram disappeared for a hot minute. And then it is came that, back. Is, is they're back now, right? Yeah. Well, as far as we know. <laughs> yes. What is Voyager world? Voyager world was, is it's Voyager.world is the Instagram that basically, it's basically Robert Mandel's development Instagram which is oh, wow. very oh, rarely okay. ever updated. Like the last thing there is from October of 2018. No, <laughs> but it's, I know, but it's that, um, but that's the one that they posted the picture of them watching yeah. Jewel Riders on the TV as well. And it's, and it's one that we've reached out to them and they've told us before they've like, Oh, thanks for keeping them, you know, the history alive and thanks for keeping Jewel Riders around and things like that. So 
it's something that we've tried reaching out to them. But unfortunately, you know, it's not to say that he doesn't have a love for it. It's just some people just maybe might be camera shy. I don't we've know. Heard he's, we've yeah. heard Robert Mandel is, very, is a very private and shy person. And that may not be his immediate, uh, you know, priority right now either. Right. You know? Exactly. Because Riders has already has has been produced and has already made it out there. So that could also play a factor. I mean, it possibly could, you know, like I said, it varies with the experiences that we've had with certain people with, tell right. us about jewel riders. And then there's crickets. I worked on jewel riders. And then the next right. one, you know, Oh, tell us about jewel riders. And then they can't stop talking about the amazing time that they had on set, you know? So it just varies. It really yeah, does. It's so it's just like everything else. People exactly. Don't remember it. <laughs> exactly. But that's a good question, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> was there anything else that was on your mind by chance? Um, no, that was my question. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sounds good. I, I didn't know if you had a list of other things that you took away from the archive that you've learned in the past five years or anything. I, I did have a short list, but I already... Yeah, I would love to hear it. Um, oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um... How about Stormy? Stormy, do you have any question that maybe we haven't answered or something that you're still a little confused about? Well, my burning question is in the same vein. I would love to get Rachel Roberts and talk to her about the creation of the Avalon series. I think that's something that well, I just I just love to know more about it. How did it happen? How did they contact her? How did she what did they give her? Did she have some kind of an Avalon show Bible? I just, I would like to hear more about the birth of the Avalon book series, mm-hmm. but that's, you know, probably something we can't get unless Rachel Roberts comes out of wherever she's hiding. Yes. <laughs> well, um, I, know we've I mean, the two other people who were involved, right. Deborah Davis and Ali Strom, the singer and the artist. Uh-huh. And it's like, we're we're missing the third piece of this triangle. <laughs> your uh, your interviews with them were really good though. I learned a lot. Thank oh, you. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. It was a fun it was a fun, you know, for me it was also expanding my world and my understanding because like so many things, I had never read Avalon Web of Magic. This was my first time reading it. And so I was exploring the world for the very first time. And so to hear their interviews and to hear their, you know, stories, I really loved it. I thought that it was a fun experience. Um, But if we are to take anything, and again, this is just surmising, but Allie did not know of Jewel Riders. Deb, I think she said that she didn't really know of it either, Um, but they were more the hired creative. Uh, Rachel and Robert worked more closely together to actually develop the series. So I'm going to assume that she had some sort of access to a jewel writer's something like she, yeah, I'm assuming that she was, I don't know, Chris, if you have anything to weigh in there. I mean, there's so many specific references. (laughs) And that very well could have just been Robert. Right. You know, I mean, once we learned that they actually wrote the series together. Yeah. There's, like, there's a lot of love for jewel writers in Avalon. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not just references, but like affectionate references. <laughs> yeah. Very like thematic elements that come over almost wholesale, you know? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> 
And Elizabeth, in your experiences with the Jewelry's Archive, is there anything that maybe is still a burning question on your mind? It's regarding, do they ever discuss why the pack has wolf heads for their helmets? I don't think that we ever did. Wolf pack? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you mean versus like actual like the armor like helmets, kind of like the motorcycle helmets. That's a good question. Is there a logical reason besides uh, whoever said the wolf theming? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Let's. We will ask and we will get back to you. That's a good question. I like it. Was there anything also? I don't know if I heard your answer or not. But um, Elizabeth, was there anything that you, you know, particularly took away? from your experiences with reading or, you know, the blogs or listening to podcasts for the archive, was there anything that really stood out to you as like an amazing learning moment? Like, wow, I had no idea that that happened. I'm going to say finding out about all these characters in the show Bible that kind of fell by the wayside. Like, who are these people? Why were they not taken in? Mm -hmm. I mean, I would love to have seen Sean and Brand and... Uh, Alex and Melody mm-hmm. and Tara. Well, of course, you know, those were just the names that eventually turned into the main characters. And on that note, it's interesting because on some of these um, like model sheets, they're dated 95 and they're still calling Tamara Melody. They're still calling Drake Sean. And even as we see in, as you mentioned, you know, in the show Bible and in the first scripts, you know, they still have those original names. Like Alex Fallon is still Alex. And it's like, how late in production, you know, were they still going by these other aliases? And I know that there's been examples of this in animation history. Like I can give Snow White as an example. I mean, you know, even into a couple of months before production, they were still doing color testing of her of her costume and they still had her in all yellow before they made her into the blues. So I think that sometimes in animation, we don't realize just how basically, you know, to the wire changes are being made like before they're being recorded and before they're actually going into animation. Well, it's like, you think they have to have recorded the dialogue a lot earlier. I'm like, I wonder if there's dialogue out there recorded that has, people calling her Alex or Melody or Sean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like in a pilot type or a pre-pilot right. episode kind of thing. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to probably say no, because I mean, I think that Corrine would have probably made mention of that, but also she had mentioned, you know, the fact that they did the recording in the spring and some of this stuff is the spring when we still have, you know, Melody and Alex as the names. And then, you know, when we were also discussing about the music, you know, Lewis was also saying about the fact that he would get the tape and then he would go home and have to make the music for it and write, you know, and, and do all the instrumentals and then send it back to them for release, basically, you know, for them to do it the next week. So, I mean, it seemed like all of this was just being done really, really quickly, which is amazing to me. It's like the fact that you basically put together a 22 minute episode or 20 minute episode without credits, like in the matter of a month or two. You know, it's just, yeah. that's insane. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's television. I, I know. <laughs> like, Saturday Night Live, they do it in a week. You know? Right. That's just <laughs> so insane to me. 
Yeah. But like how you said, I think that that is the difference between this isn't, you know, this isn't a Disney or a Warner Brother, like, you know, animated feature film. This is just a, you know, cartoon. It's a kid's cartoon that is to be released, you know, on the weekend and Sundays at that, like ridiculous timings and the ch- times are changing. And it's like, you know, and you definitely yeah. see a change in the animation from the first season to the second season. But yeah. it's just you know, again, those are things that I didn't necessarily think about, but as we've gotten along further into the interviews, it's given us a little bit better of a timeline and understanding. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of really just kind of tucked it in with the hidden gem, so to speak. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. Unfortunately. Right. Exactly. Because otherwise, if it was on, if it was on after school, like on an after school slot during the weekday, it may have been, there may have been a completely different fan base for that show. True. It could have been like the Disney afternoon. Right. Programming block. Yeah. Not 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Change to 7 a.m. and then 5 a.m. This is like Princess, uh, another show, Princess Tinko. It was at 5.30 in the morning. (laughs) I'm trying to figure out which children are up at 5.30 in the morning. I actually Well, we were. (laughs) Well, yeah, I understand. I wasn't (laughs) just because I knew the show. show. Right. (laughs) But that's another thing that Chris has to share. Yeah. I I just dug out like a couple of cells I have from Tenko. Oh, nice. I need to... I need to take photos and scan still. And, yeah. Well, this is also uh, something that we're going to be working on and what the future of Jewel Writers is and, you know, what we're going to do. And I think that recently, especially on social media, um, at least from an Instagram story perspective, I've been sharing a lot of other properties. So whether that's, you know, My Little Pony or Disney or Barbie or, you know, something else yeah. that is the similar interest, I've been sharing that. I've been getting a lot of good feedback. So I think that there will be a lot more blending of the fandoms in the near future where it'll be more of a, you know, circle of properties essentially where they're all related. <laughs> so whether it's sky dancers, dragonflies, tanko, jewel riders, you know, they're all going to be kind of this blending of a nineties kids focused um, social media site and things like that. So that's what we're going to be working on. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot of fun to come. And then, Natalie, I know that you kind of, you had mentioned it at the beginning, but was there something specific? Um, I know you you had your takeaway. If you have more, you can (laughs) tell them now. But, you know, was there something that maybe came to mind that you were still questioning or or that hadn't been answered yet? Um, Not necessarily. Mine are always like the behind, um, mine are always the history stories, like I said, Anya and Jared and and their animals, and it would be nice to kind of know what kind of happened with them, which nobody's ever really written or, you know, and they Mm -hmm. really didn't address any of that, and they may not even know, (laughs) because they never had to focus on them. So, that always... That's kind of that's kind of that's my thing. Kind of like, I still there are still parts of the archive I still need to explore because I'm still fairly new to it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we're we're going to be undertaking a organizational project on there. So. <laughs> yes, by the time this podcast is released, the archive will have also been given a fresh coat of paint and has been refurbished, and it will be reorganized and it will have a ton of new stuff. So yes. 
there'll be lots to investigate and lots to go digging around and find all the hidden jewels. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, what about you? What? what have you what have you learned? What have what I learned? Do you I've learned have? the next time that we say that we're gonna do something, I'm gonna keep my hands to myself when I raise my hand to say that I'll take on something. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> Famous last uh, words. Exactly, right? Exactly. You know, I mean, I, I would honestly say for me the biggest takeaways have been the behind the scenes. I mean, I never really thought about a show that I love about all the work that has gone into it. So for me, I think I love hearing Greg and I love, you know, talking to him and especially hearing about how everything is so related, like especially with, you know, my love for Disney and and Little Mermaid and Barbie and things like that, to hear about how it's all related. But then to hear about on an even deeper level, like how Tanko and, you know, how Wonder Woman and how all those kind of are all related toys as well. And it's like, wow, like, it's just that kind of time period of like 93, 94, 95, 96, and how all these properties are kind of related. So for me, that has been the most fun of hearing the history of the toys. I, that's, I think that's what I really have enjoyed. And how about yourself? You know, I think personally, I really loved finally knowing that that Pern connection, that it was originally developed as a Dragon Riders of Pern television show before being flipped to Jewel Riders was actually true. It's -hmm. one of those apocryphal things that you think, like, that can't be real. And then it turns out that it is. And we'll mm. share a, a couple of development documents for that. Yes, we have the Pern documents as well. Ma- letters to Mattel. And that I think I was, my mind was blown that Greg took the the doll development bodies for Wonder Woman and the Star Riders, the unproduced toy line, and used those to sculpt Jewel Riders, which is amazing, but also breaks my heart because I <laughs> Because they've been because destroyed. Yeah, because they're basically gone now forever. Right. But we at least have photos of a lot of those things, you know, at least for Wonder Woman. There are those photos, and for Jewel Riders, at least, we do have more photos of prototypes. Like, you know, when we're discussing, again, like, I love the history of the toys. So when we're talking about the fact that there was going to be a crystal carriage, and, you know, later there was going to be enchanted jewels... I, again, as a child, and recently Chris and I just remade the wooden jewels that my grandpa and I originally made together. Um, it was just the enchanted jewels, but my grandpa and I had originally created all of them. So even like the bat jewel and the twister jewel and everything that was a jewel in the show, we created it out of wood. But Chris and I worked together and we created new jewels. Um, but again, it's hearing the story about the development of the toys. And so we have more photos of that little crystal carriage that was going to be created. And I just, I love seeing those pictures. Like they're just so fun to see and like to, and to hear about the story. Like I I love the connections and the history of Enchanted Camelot and how it all kind of came together. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) You concur. Concur. (laughs) Yes. Mm. So, again, we want to thank everyone for coming on today. We featured Lisa, Natalie, Stormy, and Elizabeth sharing their memories of Jewel Riders and 25 years of fandom and memories and magic. 
And if you want to find out more about the Jewel Riders, you can find us at jewelridersarchive.com or on any social media at Jewel Riders Archive. You can also find our podcast on Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and many other places. And I also just want to take this. Oh, sorry. No. Please leave us a rating and review if you've enjoyed it. It helps our discoverability. And, and I also just want to take a chance to just, again, do a shout out to five years of the Drawers Archive and to anyone who's listening to this. You have been a part of this history and you have helped us to create the amazing circle of friends that we have to this day. So thank you for everyone who is on our social media, who has followed us on whether it's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, who have liked our pages. And again, if you yourself have not already shared these pages with your close friends be sure to host a movie night and show them jewel writers say okay everyone we're going to sit down and we're going to watch jewel quest and create new fans because that's really what it's all about it's the turning of the circle so (laughs) to five years of the jewel writers archive and 25 magical years of princess guinevere and the jewel writers it's i'm i'm so glad we're all here celebrating this right now it really it mean jewel writers has meant a lot to me over the years um and so i'm so glad to be able to celebrate this with all of you <laughs> thank you thank you, thank you. <laughs> all right and as we always like to close the podcast we like to use a line from yeah. the show we like to say friends together Friends, 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 friends. <laughs> Happy anniversary, everyone. Happy Thanks for listening. <laughs> yes, 25 magical years. Thanks, everyone. I hope you guys have a fantastic day. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to follow us on social media, like our pages, follow us, repost, and just give us all the love that you possibly can. Yeah. Share our Share circle of friends with your circle of friends. <laughs> exactly. Right. Bye, everyone. Well, jewel power, everyone, and here's to more magical years. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Jewel power. Bye.